all you freaks, geeks, and cinemaniacs. From the heart of Hollyweird, California, at the epicenter of all things eerie and awesome, it's time for Charles Band's Full Moon Freak Show. Dudes, last week's Freak Show guest was so awesome that we had to spread his gory gospel over two killer episodes. So with that, sit back, relax, and get ready for the second installment of my epic chat with the one, the only Joe Bob Briggs, and possibly a special guest. Anyway, so then how did you go from the column, which is, I didn't know about the column. I just thought yeah. you invented the character, and then suddenly you're on the, the No, movie, no, movie I, was, I was, uh, I was, I did the column um, uh, for a while, and then... Um, uh, Rolling Stone magazine. I, I was getting these magazine assignments. People would want to do. I remember uh, Playboy wanted to do the b- girls of the B movies, so they would have me write the girl copy wow. for Playboy. Okay. And the, or uh, and Rolling Stone wanted to. Uh, Rolling Stone wanted me to do a um, a profile of Dennis Hopper, who was coming out of rehab. Right. Uh, he'd been he'd been missing for three years, right. I remember and that. suddenly he's coming out of rehab. And the first movie he wants to make is Texas Chainsaw Massacre Two, right. and his agent didn't want him to make it. His manager didn't want him to right. make it, and he says, "I want to go to Austin for the summer and play golf with Willie Nelson." Okay. And so he's and so uh, so he ends up in this movie. So the, so Rolling Stone sends me down to Austin. This is Texas Chainsaw Two. Texas Chainsaw Two. Bill Mosley. Bill Mosley. Yeah, who was also yeah. here a few weeks ago, and he yeah. told a great story about how he got the part in Texas Chainsaw 2. That's yeah. for another In fact, moment. Bill Mosley, uh, we'll do a digression within a digression. Yeah. Bill Mosley was, Bill Mosley and I were both journalists. Bill, Bill was writing, we were he writing for the writer, same. Copy yeah, he, he was writing for um, Andy Warhol's Interview Magazine, and I was writing for him, so we knew this same crazy editor that, were, that that was running Andy Warhol's Interview magazine, wow, that's and that that was our bonding moment later. So cool. But um, but the uh, uh, I did this uh, piece on Dennis Hopper, and it was noticed by the Movie Channel. Now the Movie Channel was looking for some way to use all these substandard. We'll call them substandard. Substandard movies from Europe right. that they had purchased at film markets. Right. And the reason they had purchased so many m- movies at film markets is that the distributors, the foreign sales agents that own these movies would say, oh, you want those three titles? Well, you have to buy these other 40 right. to get those that three. Was, that was always, I don't know if it's still the game because I'm a little out of that thing, but back in the day when we were taking our movies to market, you know, there was always one that was pretty hot, amazing. Maybe it was Reanimator. But yeah. you'd say, look, then you got to take the other eight films. You know, let's figure out how this works because that's yeah. what you did. And so um, they would come back from MIFED, the right. Milan film sure. market, with these uh, with these movies, and they were looking for a way to program them. And so they were they were so the 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 pitch to me was sort of like, hey, do you think you could host these <laughs> <laughs> in a positive way? And so uh, I was just a guest host for a month, and then they invited me back the next month. It was, all I had was was my, that the Joe Bob Briggs? Yeah, yeah, yeah that was I, your, I your persona. The, yeah. I had the um, uh, Lazy Boy recliner with steer, ho- <laughs> steer horns on the back. That was the wow, whole set. You just classed it up, man. And you so, just, like, completely. And so they invited me back, invited me back, invited me back. They just kept inviting me back right. for 
11 years. And what was the <laughs> show called, actually? It was called Drive-In Theater. Eventually, okay. they called it Joe Bob's Drive-In Theater. They, they added my name dri- to driving. the front. Now, were there other hosts on occasion, too, during there the were, early years? Um, they had a host to do um, uh, Robert Osborne was the host for classic Hollywood wow. uh, movies. Okay, I didn't know. And um, that was before he moved to uh, Turner classic right, movies. Right, And... Um, uh, they had someone to do like rom coms, uh, you know. Okay, uh, but you were brought in to be. But uh, but up. I w- but I was actually the only host that survived. Eventually, we were shooting at the old Dumont Studios, which is in mm-hmm. Spanish Harlem, mm-hmm. uh, in New York. And eventually, my set was the only thing left. Is cavernous soundstage, <laughs> and my set. set's in a corner, right. and that's the only thing there. And I finally said, you know, guys, I could do this a lot cheaper. Just if you just let me move this to Dallas, where I was living at the time. Oh, really? And so my production company just took it over. They said, you know what? Yeah, you're right. Just, you know, shoot it for us. That and so, so we cool. moved it to Dallas, to Dallas. and we shot, we shot there we shot for a long time. Texas somewhere. I mean, it, it, well, we made it look like Texas it. when I was in New York, but I said, you know, let's just move it to Texas. The right. studios are cheap down there. Sure. You know. And look what happened. Many years later, I traveled to New <laughs> Jersey to be on a similar set. That's right. <laughs> we're yeah. back on the East Coast. Yeah, That's we're back. Uh, now we're in New Jersey. Yeah. Right. Um, but that but, was uh, fun going on your show. Um, I want to talk in a little bit about the amazing male girls you had, especially Diana Prince or Darcy the Male Girl, who I'm a big fan of, and so is Full Moon. Um, but how did that all begin, this male girl thing? Because that, to me, you I know, remember watching your show on and off over many years. And it's always so entertaining. The movies are generally so bad that I, yeah. I you know, I, I want to say one thing. I missed, so as a kid, coming back, a kid, early 20s, from Italy, you know, I, I grew up in Italy. And some of the great movies I saw were in Italian, even though they're American films. Okay, fine. Now I come back here. And someone introduced me to the experience of seeing some of these really lurid horror movies on Hollywood Boulevard, with a predominantly black audience yelling at the screen and at the screen, and those are some of the most fun experiences I've ever had because what they talked to the screen about, the the banter back and forth, made the movies that were generally pretty bad, ninety minutes of the best entertainment. Oh yeah, no, I I was in a lot of those theaters uh, watching those same movies. <laughs> Don't go in there, bitch. <laughs> you know, whatever they're saying, it's always so freaking funny. So when I saw – the point of this is when I saw some of your shows and I loved your intro and your whole shtick, then we went to the movie, a few of which I had seen on Hollywood Boulevard. I missed that audience. It's, wait a minute. This movie is not as fun as people yelling and screaming and throwing crap at the screen. Oh, it's true. It's true. And, and you know, you don't get quite that experience at the drive-in because <laughs> right. everyone's in their car. You're right. You're but right. you do get the ex- – but there were theaters like that uh, mm-hmm. in Texas where I would sometimes go to review the movie because, again, these were never screened for critics. So <laughs> I, I, I actually watch these in the theater. Um, but, um, yeah, uh, you know, there's an old uh, screenwriter saying, you know, don't write, um, you know – fade in Arizona desert dawn unless six months from now you want to be getting up at 3.30 in the morning in Arizona. And so... Well, it's like we learned after many hard years, just, you know, (laughs) these night shoots, you know, night is usually not great because they grew up all night. But uh, I was... um, uh, I was trying to find ways to uh, get more humor into the show and it's, it's very difficult to just tell jokes when you're alone on the set. And so I created uh, two or three different characters to come on and be the, oh, okay. you know, the they, they used to call them um, 
uh, door knock characters in the old uh, yeah. in the old uh, vaudeville days. You right. would have a knock at the door, right, right. and it, it, <laughs> there would be a shock when you open the door because it would be some. Nothing to do with door, it could be door, it could be not, anything. not door knockers, right? That's a different yeah, right. idea. Okay, no, no, no. Just door knock, door that knock. would be in your movie. Okay. You know, <laughs> maybe. Yeah, you and you would have a character saying, "Look at the size of those knockers," and point at the door. Good for but, you. <laughs> I'll keep feeding these straight lines and you come up with the funny uh, stuff. So anyway, but, you had to. So so anyway, so I said, you know, what if I had like a male girl, and I'll 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 do a little bit of a throwback, like a Carol Wayne. You know, remember Carol Johnny Wayne? Carson. Would, that was Carol Wayne would come on so Johnny much Carson, fun. right? And and, um, and and that was a door knock. Yeah, and and so I would have, and so I wrote in, you know, a male girl, really just to do it one time, mm-hmm. and um, they hired a model, you know, right, to come in right. and basically just deliver the mail. And um, of all the various tested characters that I tried out, the only one people like wrote <laughs> in about and said, "Let's see more of this." Of course, was the male girl, and yes. so. I started bingo, incorpor- right? So like, yeah, so I started incorporating the mail like you like I needed like I actually needed someone to carry the mail to me so I could read it. And you so, did. And so it was it was it was silly and fun and people liked it. And so um and so we we created the male girl character. Now the the male girl today is uh, played by Diana Prince, mm-hmm. and it's it's expanded. She is she's actually a horror expert, right? And a um, uh, and really knows the horror audience, and actually does the social media. And she was really kind of instrumental in getting me to come back to the to the world of um, you know horror hosting. I was like off on other planets doing other kinds of writing, and um, and so uh, when I started this show. Uh, I said, "Hey, you want to be the male girl?" She already actually ha- already had the outfit. She she had already cosplayed the outfit. <laughs> and so I said, "You want to be the male girl? We don't have much money. You've got the outfit. Come be the male girl." But she had been encouraging me to um, uh, to to go back into TV, and uh, uh, and so she was the obvious choice. And then she's become this, uh, you know, as you know, because you yes. used her in one of your projects. She's a superstar. She's, she's become. Uh, uh, um, a, uh, a, a, I guess an icon in the yeah. in the horror community and in the in the TNA community too. I, th- I think more <laughs> horror now, and we're going to get back to Diana because we may have a surprise in store for those who are watching. But I want to go into one other area which I um, am just learning because I've never done this before. I mean, I've made movies. I'm still making movies like a a movie junkie. That's my thing. But I was convinced some months ago to do this freak show, to not just do a podcast, which wouldn't be that interesting to me, but to actually sit with people I admire, friends, uh, like we're doing right now, with three cameras, with a cool uh, background, and talk about this amazing business we're in. So I'm like three months old doing this, but you've been doing this and having guests on your show forever. So you got to tell us just, a, just, I know you don't want to like make all the guests who've appeared on your so, show, on your shows, I should say feel bad, but are there a few you can pull experiences from the past and say, because I think everybody that has been on my little yeah. freak show thing and those who are coming, I think they've all done your show. I, I can't even think of someone who hasn't. But give us a little bit of the experience of bringing these characters. You mean, you mean the wild ones? You want to know about the wild ones that were on this show? Well, one of them, because I've, I've heard a story that you've told, one of them we share in common mm-hmm. that is, is a guy that we've, we've used on both of our shows, and that is Gary Busey. Oh, yes. Gary Busey was cr- a crazy man on my show. I mean, he was like, did he ever do this to you? Did he ever say, um, uh, 
you want to feel the dent in my head where I had the motorcycle accident? Did he do that? He said, yeah, go, go I, ahead, put your finger there. I erase there. weird things. I really do. I have a great memory of convenience. So if he did that, I was like, ew, I didn't want I don't really think about it. But no, he. I did a, only one show with him, a movie with him called The Ginger Dead Man. And I'll tell you the story. One of your briefly. top movies, one right? Of my top, maybe. <laughs> um, it, however, many years later, he said, God damn it, because I ran into him at some convention. He goes, Charlie says, all the work and the good work I've done, people want that fucking ginger dead man. They bring him you know, stills or a, a VHS or a DVD box of uh, the ginger dead man. So he signs it. But the story, which is another low budget movie story, is had this idea for this movie, um, a good script by Billy Butler, who's a close friend. He wrote the script. We made it less com complicated. But it's basically about this girl in the bakery who um, she's doing her thing, and the mother, the father, this bad guy comes in, shoots up the place, kills her brother. She testifies um, against him. This is all the backstory, And he goes to, up to, he gets in, whatever, he gets killed. He's in an electric chair. And he dies, this guy. And um, I'm really telling the story terribly, but his witchy mother gets the body and bakes it or does whatever she does, gets the ashes, and then sneaks into the bakery and puts the ashes in the gingerbread batter, and out comes a super pissed off Gary Busey cookie. Right? That's the concept. <laughs> but what made it make sense for me to spend the money to get Gary Busey, who you know, does not do a lot of these movies, is we needed him for one day just to come in the bakery and shoot the place up, and then we needed his voice as the pissed-off cookie. And through my wonderful casting guys at the time, both gone, uh, sadly, um, they said, well, you know, it's a good idea. I said, it's never going to happen. You know, Gary Busey's not going to make a movie called The Ginger Dead Man. They said, well, let's give it a shot. And so uh, what do we offer? And we offered, I think it was $25,000, just for one day work. That was it. And I th so I got a call directly from, I guess, the agent who represented him, they went straight to me, and he said, Gary loves your script. He just loves that cookie script. And he was going to do it, and all of a sudden, you got fucking Gary Busey playing the ginger dead man. Now, that one-day experience of him on set, I have 20 good stories. I used to do my, my road show where I toured the country, and I would tell these Gary Busey stories that are endlessly funny, stuff you would never – I can't tell them now. That would go on forever. Yeah. But, but just those nine hours that I worked with Gary. Then he came – a week or two later to do the ADR for the pissed off cookie voice. But just those nine hours, I've got honestly six or seven insane stories. But oh, I got yeah. it done. Got it no, done. there's two people I've met in the business that just never stop. <laughs> they are always on. Who's the other one? Who's one the other is, well, the other one is Don Rickles. Oh, <laughs> uh, I would have loved Don to, never uh, stopped. But but but, uh, but Gary Busey was on in a different yeah. way. Yes. And he, he was like, he was always... Uh, uh, outwardly friendly but then there was this other part of his brain that was operating on a different planet yes and so but yes. but anyway i remember gary i remember gary's uh, visit to the show very well um but did one, don rickles do your show no but i was in casino with uh oh, with don rickles course. and i actually I, I i talked to him about some of his early some of his early films and he 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 reluctantly talked about like uh um, X, the man with the X-ray eyes, and you know he was in that. He was in that. He was the Don, car he was the oh carny guy, uh, and he was like, "You're killing me! Ring You're killing man. me!" I that thought was, they destroyed yeah, those movies. Was, <laughs> <laughs> oh, stop. He was hilarious. Um, oh, such a talent. And speaking of being surprised and personalities in movies, like I didn't remember Don Rickles being in that film. I'm in Italy watching Casino in Italian, of course. Remember, my whole frame of reference is these movies are in Italian, then eventually I see them in English. So you spoke a great Italian. <laughs> For people who don't know, they dub the voices. They put in Italian voices. 
But I, I knew it was you. Ah, that's Joe Bob. He's in that movie. You were very good in that film. <laughs> well, thank you. What was thank it like you. working with Scorsese? Oh, it was it was great. It's and it was um, uh, the interesting thing about Scorsese is uh, he's been working with these guys for so long, right, his right. crews and his actors and everything. That a lot of you, you know how long you know how he, how he does those long tracking shots right. and everything. Yeah. Well, of course, it takes a long time to set those up. Right. So while they're setting those up, he has nothing to do, and right. so I could talk to him for. <laughs> really? Like, oh, like, how sometimes, sometimes his uh, his lighting guy wouldn't even answer him. He's like, "How far away are we?" No answer. <laughs> <laughs> so you had some time to. So actually... I had time to talk to, and we mostly talked about B movies because you know he knows about. He, he knows everything about European film. He knows oh, everything sure. about Asian yeah. film. He also knows yeah. everything about B movies. And wow, in fact, he's, in fact he started with Corman. He started he with, um, was it um, uh, Boxcar Bertha? Boxcar Bertha. Yeah. Well, again, not to get back to Corman, but by 1980, the hour was pretty much up. But Francis Ford Coppola was his assistant. I mean, this guy worked with so many amazing filmmakers. You know, Jonathan Dem. I mean, goes on and on. Not to right. mention. Jack Nicholson and all those stories. I mean, I, we we were. It was the tip of an iceberg after an hour, much like you. I mean, we're just going on, and we haven't even gotten right. to uh, gotten. No, to I, I talked to uh, I talked to um, uh, Roger not long ago and asked him about um, uh, Jack Nicholson. He still thinks of Jack as a screenwriter oh, because funny. most of what Jack was doing at, right, for Roger was writing scripts. He wrote The Trip. What an incredible yeah. career. <laughs> all, right, so, okay, so, all right, so Gary Busey, Wild Man. But you've interviewed hundreds of people, hundreds. I, mean, uh, I was on your show a few months yes, ago. I went to New Jersey. Yes. Uh, I, remember, with, I remember Sally Kirkland was a whirlwind of, of uh, energy uh, <laughs> on the set. And um, – uh, uh, told some told some uh, uh, great stories. Um, uh, I, I don't know. There were so many. Um, we had all the people that had been in the Andy Sedaris movies. You sure. know, both the men and the women. We had that must uh, be fun. You know, we have those movies for years now up oh, on our do? streaming site. You know, aside from my, my own movies, we've acquired or licensed a lot of a lot of the films. I'm sure that played on your channel, including all of the Andy Sedaris films. I remember one of the most thoughtful interviews was um, Lance Henriksen, who at the time, I think he does conventions and things now, yeah. but at the time he was like very reluctant interview. Right. It didn't really right. come out for interviews, but he did come on the show nice. and he was very um, uh, kind of a fascinating, just as intense very in intense. real life as he is on Method the screen. Actor. You know, when you yeah. mention someone that I have history with, it's hard for me just to not say something. So, go ahead. My very first horror movie was called Mansion of the Doom. It starred, it was Lance Hendrickson's first movie. Richard Basehart, Gloria Graham, and had a wonderful cast. Uh, Stan Winston, who became a close friend until he passed away, um, did the special effects. Andy Davis was my DP. He went on to do movies like The Fugitive. But that was Lance Hendrickson's first movie. Dissolved, I don't know, 8,000 years later, we were making movies in the 90s with a deal with Paramount, and I made The Pit and the Pendulum that Stuart Gordon directed. And that, of course, starred Lance Hendrickson. So Lance and I have this kind of history uh, as well. But he is an intense actor. Intense. He is. He is. And he d he doesn't... He doesn't suffer fools very well. No. <laughs> and so, no. Uh, but he was, that was a very interesting interview. I mean, they're, they were all, um, uh, they were all intriguing in their own way. One, in, one interesting thing to me about the, the, 
some of the more, I won't embarrass them, but some of the more famous actors mm -hmm. uh, that we had on the show would freeze up when I said there are no second takes on this show. Uh, really? <laughs> and, and they would go, what, what do you mean? And I would say, well, pretty you know, if, if we're pretty much, you know, it's pretty much right. live to tape. And, right. And they would not like that at oh, all. that's hilarious. And these were the, you know, really good actors. Right. And I was like, boy, you've, you've been relying on that for a while. <laughs> you, know, you, right. you haven't been on a stage in a while, have you? So what about, uh, I just, I, I have to somehow, for reasons I can't even imagine, go back to some of the actresses and girls you had on your show. Okay. And did any of them spontaneously show their boobies, including their nipples? Did that ever happen? Sa <laughs> Sally Kirkland did. What? Uh, <laughs> what? Really? Sally Kirkland um, uh, and uh, an actress named Monique Gabrielle did. Uh -huh. uh, she was a, a, a B movie um, <laughs> mini star. Yeah. yeah, mini and, star. And um, uh, yeah, but um, uh, we didn't really ask anyone to show no, their no, nipples no, on the show. Of course not. But I mean, uh, it, it was bound but, to happen. I yeah, mean, I mean, some of them. Subject matter, B movies, hot chicks. Uh, yeah. Well, plus, the and, movies had some nudity somewhere. Oh, the movies right. always had nudity. So, so, and so, we were we were frequently interviewing the person who is we've just seen right. naked in the scene. That's why I asked the question. And you know? uh, uh, and so and so yes, us uh, uh, two or three of them had sort of <laughs> exhibitionistic uh, tendencies and. Uh, uh, but when we weren't opposed to that, at, especially at the movie channel, of course we couldn't right. do that at uh, when I was at TNT. Really? But, uh, oh, TNT it was basic cable. No, you really? can't. You couldn't no, show. Even oh a no movie, no no! Nothing? You really? can't show a nipple on TNT. What? They they now they've occasionally. Well, then how did you show? They've occasionally movie? made mistakes. Uh, oh, like, they've like occasionally faux pas nipple, something that was not intended, and uh, exactly. I mean, they they missed it in the editing room, or they missed it in the I standards and I practices. Cable was not shouldn't be an issue. Uh, in a way. Um, Maybe it was back then. Well, you know, they have they all have their lists of things that you can't do on their network, right? And uh, <laughs> the, and, and it has to do with their sponsors. Of it has, you know, Procter and Gamble. If they you have like any that. Procter and Gamble business, <laughs> you've heard from Procter and Gamble about what's acceptable oh, and what's not. And so, um, so let's jump cut now to okay. kind of modern, current day, and and your show on Shutter. Okay. Because again, you you gave rightfully so um, Darcy the male girl, aka Diana Prince, and other names, credit for sort of bringing you, helping bring you back as a personality to host these right. movies. So because, how long has but, that show been on? Because well, I, I know I was a guest, but what's it the, was. Uh, See, I had been off the air for a long time, and the and the producers of the 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 three guys who were offering me a chance to go back on the air were saying, I was saying, well, okay, what kind of show you want to do? And they were saying, same show, right, same show right, you did right, right. in the '90s. And I said, <laughs> one thing I know, every agent, manager, professional will tell you, you cannot repeat TV, you cannot do the same thing in the. 90s that you did in the 80s. You have to reinvent it. Who said that? I've heard this uh, my whole life. And uh, they said, no, no, no. We want the exact same show. And I said, okay, we'll do the exact same show. And so we'll do, you know, in order to get attention, we'll do a marathon. And originally I wanted uh, to do a 54-hour oh, Labor Day marathon like oh the old Jerry Lewis I remember telethons. Oh God, yeah. And um, uh, long story short, we had to cut that down to 24-hour marathon, right. 13 movies. And um, still a lot of, and so that was in the summer of um, of uh, 2018. Okay. And um, 
and you're right. Uh, Diana Prince comes to to be part of the marathon, and 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 I I didn't realize that she didn't think I was serious when I said, "Do you want to be the male girl?" And so she, <laughs> and so when she when she first came, she was uh, uh, came with trepidation about you know being the male girl, even though she wanted to be the male girl. So anyway, we uh, but we got through it, and um, and the well. At some point, like right before the marathon started, um, half the servers in crashed. Right. Half the uh, half the pe- half the, the people the, in the country yeah. couldn't see the show. Yeah. And so I was kind of depressed. Right. <laughs> and and uh, Darcy is saying to me, nobody can get on. Everything is crashed. <laughs> and I'm saying. Well, that's not good. I kind of worked hard on this. Right. And, she's, and she's, no, this is great. That's this is right. the best thing that could ever happen. <laughs> and it's like, and it, and it crashed the servers of, um, of, uh, of Shutter, of two other networks that AMC owns. And, right. and, uh, well and then they, they worked all through the night. Mm-hmm. People from Cisco Systems, whatever that is, it's, worked through the night right. to gradually reinstate people so if you had a certain device and you were in a certain part of the country you could watch it and so people started saying hey i got it you know right. i'll put it on twitch and you can watch it <laughs> you know uh, we'll take a picture of it and you can watch it in oregon even though wow. we're in Pennsylvania. And that was the first time on shutter that's the first time that's the very first time and and so it's um i have to give credit though one reason so many people watched it is that stephen king tweeted about it he said uh, joe bob yeah. has a new show and you know and so a lot of people well, like had their they had their beer ready and their and their, and their, and their, and their party. What about wine or a vodka martini? Does it have to be beer? Uh, to I would really say, enjoy your show. I would say eighty percent of my audience. You know, we have some vodka people, <laughs> but I would say most, mostly guys. we have beer people. That's and hilarious. And so, um, in fact, I remember getting an email that night from this from this guy saying, "Joe Bob." We're getting we're getting a circle thing on our screen. He says, "I'm in the uh, basement of my apartment building in Hell's Kitchen with 60 people and five kegs. Tell me what to do." <laughs> and, and, I, and I emailed him back. I said, "Start on those kegs." That's hilarious. <laughs> Such a great but, story. But anyway, so because we we were originally going to hold it back and not immediately you know, replay it. But because so many people got kicked off the system. Oh, you replayed the whole marathon. Yeah. But well, by the, by, I would say by about 10 in the morning, it started at nine, 9 PM. I think by 10 in the morning, it was pretty much restored. So people got Mm -hmm. to see the end of it. it. Um, And then, so the next day we replayed it again because people were so disappointed. Not even though we had ruined their parties, you know? And so, um, so because of that, you know, yeah. it became a show. It was going to be a one-off thing. Right. Uh, but because of that, it became um, um, a, a regular show, and it kind of evolved from there. I've, I've been very lucky with uh, TV because none of the shows I've ever worked on had um, a time slot. Right. They, they never had it. It starts now and it ends now. They could always be – when I was on um, – 
the movie channel is a right. premium channel, so you just talk until you're finished, and then you show the movie, and then you talk right, again. Right, right, that's, that's true. When I was on TNT, we were on in the middle of the night. Whenever the day's programming would end, right. my show would start, and as long as we were done by 6 a.m., they didn't care. <laughs> 6 a.m. Yeah, so you want to finish at 4.30, fine. You want to finish and at 5.30, fine. And now you're in the streaming fine. world where you have the same. And now we're in the yeah. streaming world where you don't have any any time limitations. And cool. so, And so sometimes the movie... Is so we do such a deep dive on the movie (laughs) that the commentary is almost longer than the movie. That's true. And I thought this would turn people off. And in fact, when they first said we're going to do, we're going to interrupt the movie, we're going to have commercial breaks. And I said, but we have no commercials. And they were like, but we're going to have commercial breaks. And I was like, that's going to piss people off. And to the contrary. One thing I've discovered: people are seeking. You mentioned the menus, right? You know. People are overwhelmed by those menus. Right. It's like right. they say, hey, let's watch a movie. Right. And then half hour later, they're still going for the What do you think this one is? What do you think well, this one is? What do you think this one is? because my experience with my, my girlfriend of many years is we, we have something we want to watch. But then just for a moment, let's see what else is going on. You spend 20 minutes flipping. and There's so much content so much choice right. that you but, just get overwhelmed. It's like, oh my God, I'm exhausted. We haven't even seen anything. And you're not sure what right. each one is. Yeah. And so what people are seeking is curators. Right. right. And so right. Uh, <laughs> and so one thing that w- uh, that's a very nice thing that's developed with our audience is that people trust us. Right. And so, well, they should. And so, you, so even if they haven't heard the, of the title, and even if we tell them, you know, this is one of those. It's going to be tough tonight. You're going <laughs> to. This is the. You may need a little extra vodka tonight. Right. Okay. You know, uh, and we'll we'll warn them in advance. And and we even had a, an event called the Iron Mutant Night, where we showed these sort of uh, do-it-yourself um, shot shot directly on video. Um, films from the from the late '80s, early '90s. Oh, okay, cool. So and, they're also like little time capsules. Uh, and uh, and uh, they were. They were rough to get through, but we were sort of like defining this period in history when when you could actually shoot a direct-on-video movie and actually get it into stores. Right. You know, the right. the amazing thing about these filmmakers not is it was not that they got their movie made, but that they got it into the video stores. They actually right. got a video release. Well, that was you know we in a way the world the people who love these movies most all movies got lucky because the video age you know allowed people who could never get arrested, basically, in more of a traditional film scenario to make movies. And a lot of the great movies that we love that are being remade, movies made in the 80s and 90s, were only made because people could make a buck by releasing them on VHS and later on DVD. Those days, sadly, are gone for a moment. We, we don't have that mechanism anymore. Now it's digital and streaming, and it, it's a different world. So now the young filmmaker still has to knock on the door of maybe Netflix or wherever and to try to you know, get someone to fund their movie. Whereas back in the day, you could, for a while, you know, spend a reasonable amount of money and make Halloween or make yeah. Friday the 13th. You could make these movies, and, and hopefully they'll come back in some form. I hope it does. What scares me about streaming, and I shouldn't bite the hand that feeds me, you know, I'm a streaming <laughs> service, but what scares me about streaming is that, um, yes, you theoretically own things that you buy right. on on streaming uh, platforms, um, however, 
It can be cut off at any time. <laughs> you know, we had this. That's a paranoid. Nah, nah, nah. No. Yeah. yeah. If, if you know, war breaks out. But yes. No, a politically, I know, I, politically I, incorrect <laughs> titles sometimes disappear from the streaming services. That's true. You know? Well, I can and, attest to that. Yeah. And so, um, you know, we had this period from about 1980 to about, um, you know, 2015 where the actual physical media was in the home. Right. And that was revolutionary in, yep. in the film industry because Absolutely. the film companies always 100% controlled access right. to where, when, and how you can watch the movie. Right. And so we had this period of freedom. We're free. We're liberated. You know, if you, you were around back in the 70s, um, for a brief moment of time, before uh, you could rent a movie at a video store, it was only a sale business. So you, if you wanted yeah. to spend forty nine ninety five and buy The French Connection, how many more times? On 16 millimeter? Or no, no, no. Millimeter? This is when it first came out. Oh, VHS when and you beta. could buy the But buy I'm the, just saying, the, what, the, and the, the studios video. were all upset. They were trying to find a way to stop what was slowly becoming a rental business where the store owner can spend $30 wholesale, buy French Connection, stick it on their video store shelf, and rent it forever and make a profit. And when the studios finally kind of gave up that fight because there were lawsuits and stuff, the home video business exploded. And that's why you had tens of thousands of video stores on every street corner renting videos for a reasonable 3 or $4. Right. So that, that's that. And money, of course, always changes everything, right? True. So that worked. But you're right in that. And they fought streaming the same way. Yes. You know, it's like the studios did not want streaming to come along. They, right. did, they were not fond of Netflix. All true. Um, now it's the whole business. And you're right. I mean, if you, you know, I forgot the, the what, sort of what you were talking about in a way, because streaming is not going to shut down. It is very convenient. I mean, I'll admit I have a gazillion dust cover DVDs and VHSs, and I've got to that. But now with one little click, I, got, I know I have it behind me 13 feet away, but I'll go to Amazon just watch it because it's so freaking easy. So, you know, we, we get in that habit. However, when it comes to weird content or, or content that the streaming sites are now are taking down, including movies that I've had up there that I've made, including famous TNA too. Yes, you need the frickle, uh, you need the the physical medium yeah, as well. Because it's like they're not taking it down because of any nefarious reason. They're ta taking it down because some middle level manager says this could possibly be at some distant point in the future, or some lawyer is telling them at some distant time in the future this could be troublesome for the company. Let's just get it rid of it right now. Yeah. And so. So the things well, get to, sensor and so the yeah. things on the edge, the, mm -hmm. the things that are edgy, no, you're right about uh, get taken down, and and uh, so we no longer have that control over it. But um, uh, no, you're 100 percent right, and in that sense, the physical media thing is also something where at will you can pull it off the shelf. Yeah. But now both worlds exist. I mean, I go to sh conventions and I talk to fans who, who, who are subscribing to fullmoonfeatures.com, which is an awesome right. site, or they're seeing most of these movies on Amazon. And they'll say, oh, my God, I just saw Attack of the 50-Foot Cam Girl. It's so much fun. But can I buy a copy? Because we have them there in physical. I said, but you saw it. You know, oh, no, no, I've got to own the physical. I've got to. And when it's on Blu-ray, let me know. It's like, wow. So you've seen oh. it, but you need to still own that copy and put it on your shelf. The ones I don't understand are the VHS collectors. Oh, yeah. The, the, <laughs> the VHS, I mean, you can make an argument that, you know, there are vinyl collectors right, in music. Sure. You, and you can make an argument that, that, that the quality of the vinyl, it's a different kind of sound. It is. Okay. Yeah. And to some ears, it would be a better sound. Right. 
you cannot make any kind of argument right. that the VHS yeah. image is uh, the VHS can, image is the worst image can, in the I history can, of I film. I can actually make the argument. Okay. So here it goes. All right. I don't believe in it necessarily, but there is something to be said about Okay, when you watch a VHS or even a DVD from a, an SD master, not an HD, not a high-def master from an old transfer, there's a certain sheen. There's much like the audio files talk about the sound of a 33 RPM and, and real high-tech guys are even trying to figure out, well, did that disc or that uh, RPM, 33 RPM, come from an original uh, master or was it from a digital? I mean, people get crazy. However... Today, with 4K and with this incredible resolution, I'm looking at some of the older movies that I loved as a kid, um, and the transfers, that you just see too much. They're too raw. You see every pore. You see a little zit on someone's face you never noticed because in the old days, there was a sheen. There was a patina. It's right. also the same with shooting movies on digital versus 35 millimeter. Now, can't go back to 35 because it's extremely expensive, but... I still like, in terms of my body of work, the movies I shot on 35 and made a really good HD transfer over the movies we're currently shooting on on digital. I mean, yeah. you know, I just, it's just, it's a vibe. And maybe it's something that is because I'm more aware of what it looked like. Uh, so th there is an argument film, for people who yeah, like that VHS. It's look. true. But film technology, film, the quality of the film image. Right. We're, we're, this is the only industry where the film image has gotten progressively worse since about 1936 right. when they had when they had uh, technicolor uh yeah. 30 35 and 70 millimeter right. film made yes. with silver yes you know yes, and then true. and then as as each as each uh, generation has come along right. they've they've got progressively and probably hit their low point <laughs> with with video but then true. but then um um, we've never got we've never gotten back to the they have this I've never been to this festival but they have this festival every year in um, Rochester home right. of Eastman Kodak right. where they get out the old acetate films oh my god right. and they and they and of course it's it's dangerous they have to yeah, they like burst in the <laughs> yeah they can yeah. they can catch on fire but once a year they show these acetate films in the original form uh, just because the it's an image that no one has ever has ever seen, and, and, and I meet people yeah. all the time who they, they will come to, you know, we'll do a show, um, at a at a you know a special show at a with a thirty five millimeter print, and people will come who have never seen a thirty five millimeter print, wow, okay. and they will not realize, and they'll know something is different. Right. They'll know that. Uh, you know that experience was fundamentally different than yeah it is fundamentally different than you know watching the movie on your phone right, right. <laughs> you know it's um, it, it's so amazing talking about this because I uh, one day I want to talk also we'll come we'll do this again about you know what it was like I'm a big fan of music I mean I, that's if, if you take everything away from me just don't take away music so back in the day to make a mix I had a reel to reel quarter inch tape machine and you would have to if you wanted the third cut on a beetle album you had to be able to push record drop that needle carefully in that slot play the song push pause take it off take your next record if you wanted to make a mix of whatever the theme of the mixes and i, I love doing that and i love mixes and i of course still make mixes right left and center now it's literally on a phone i mean i'm, I'm subscribed to apple you have eight billion songs. You know the song, the thing. You push the button, boop, 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 and all of a sudden you got a, your top 20 songs, depending on what mood you're in. So, 
you know, you, you maybe lose something a little bit. They, they, you know, just like you do lose something when you watch a movie, we're all careful to shoot in 35 and it's on your phone and the image is this big. I mean, but right. then again, it, it also opens it up to tons of more people who are enjoying, hopefully, you know, the programs. So. Right. No, it makes it more democratic. I mean, I, I went to a, a, um, a screening uh, or a special event one time at the American Society of Cinematographers, you know, like the top guys, you know, that's, I th- it's hard to get into that. It's hard right. to get into the ASC. Right. And, um, and uh, it was right at that place at that time when they were switching from you know, uh, the classic 35 millimeter photography to increasingly they were asking, being asked to do digital right. projects. And there was a whole lot of resistance yes. among the cinematographers to going to that digital image because right. they saw it as an inferior image, as something that didn't have the range right. that you had on the. And Laszlo Kovacs stood up and he said, uh, we all need to go back to school and learn how to do this right. right <laughs> and, right. you know, it's like he was very practical about, uh, you know, Oscar-winning cinematographer. He was very right. practical about, uh, you know, it's time to learn this. You right. know, we learned and, that. And, now and, it's time and, to learn and this. Now he is right, you know. And, and yeah. there's amazing work being done. But also it still goes back to people's taste. And, you know, if this is the way it is, you can't really go back to film if you're a film lover. But you can buy VHS tapes or you can – find old copies of movies and still enjoy that. Now, yeah. while we're talking, I have an invisible uh, x-ray that just let me know that we have a special guest in the studio. Oh, really? Yes, and I can't imagine who it is, but I think she is coming through the door right now, and I'm going to somehow, this is a very tiny set, so I'm going to, what am I going to do? I'm going to come to, around the back, and, oh my God, how are you? So nice to see you. Yes, go, oh, yes, yes, just don't trip over 600 wires. Oh my gosh. And here we are. You gotta be careful because you'll trip. And look who it is. The male oh girl God. is everywhere. Uh, oh, I everywhere. didn't recognize you with the shades. I was just here for moral support. <laughs> well, that is so sweet of you to come. Aww. So beautiful. Look at that. Now, can you not take those glasses off? Or, or I mean, I you're was not, not, you're not prepared for those. I just, I worked all night. He said, come help. So here uh, I am helping. Well, you look very L.A. in those. I like LA. those. Yeah, okay. But I thought it, it's so nice that you're part of this because you're so good on the show. And, oh, and Thank you. And knowing a bit of the history, he's so right. Uh, Joe Bob or John Bloom is so right that you help. I don't you know who John Bloom is. You, well, I, I'm, I'm just going <laughs> to do the J. But that's, you, you gave me that advice. Yes. Uh, you know, I just, it, it covers It's hard both. to know how to, what to call people. Diana Prince, Darcy the male, male girl. <laughs> I know who you're talking to, yes, so whatever you want to say. <laughs> but it's been great, and I enjoyed coming out to New Jersey and doing your show. I mean, you had a very cool set here. We're in a little room with a screen, but, you know, we'll have hey, some you 20, know, 30,000 We live in the world of green this, screen. We could be anywhere. You know, I, I should plug the show. I mean, it's a great show. It's, uh, it's called Joe Bob's Drive-In. The last drive-in. The last drive-in, okay. <laughs> but you've had the last drive-in for 40 years. Isn't it kind of, sort of? I have done the same show, essentially the same show three times, yes. I have just, we've just, we just add things to it. And but some things are timeless, and they, they deserve to be not reinvented. And the th- think, the thing is, your show is that one of those shows. Well, you know, I told you when I first started, these were considered the B movie or the exploitation movie was considered disposable trash, and you know, uh, people right. didn't pay attention to them. Today, I, I get um, academic books <laughs> written about 
these same filmmakers and um, you know uh, they're taught in universities and we're really uh, in a different era and the millennial generation the post-millennial generation and whatever you call the current generation have all like embraced uh, exploitation film at a time when um, we don't have as many, actually, you know, we don't have as many hardcore exploitation films as we did in the 80s, but they embraced those films that were made in that previous, uh, in the previous generations. Definitely. And so I think that's a lot of the reason that uh, they watched The Last Drive-In is that we're curating these older films that... Right. Um, that for a new audience, but they also love the uh, the interstitial stuff. Let's face it. Has, yeah. Has oh the yeah. Well, was when you show those those nineteen eighties reels. What you guys do is very entertaining, and you're very knowledgeable with this stuff. I came on, and we showed, or you showed, the head of the family, which is one of my favorites. We love head of the family. <laughs> yeah, we do. I could say nasty things. But yes, it's, it's it's a good head movie for sure. And, um, but you were so, you both were so knowledgeable about that movie which is one of my 360 movies, one of my favorites, too. But um, So where do they find your show? It's on Shudder. Is there a time where they find it, or is it just... Um, well, we, we try to get people to, to watch the, the live feed right. when, when we're on, uh, which is always at 9 o'clock on a Friday night, okay. whether we're doing a special. We usually do a Halloween special, a Christmas special, and a special in the spring, and then we do 10 weeks right. in um, April, May, and June. And... Uh, uh, and we have a big uh, fan base that that watches us in real time right. on uh, Friday night when we're on, and they get on right. the social media and I discuss us. That, I was and, like, uh, whoa, look at all these amazing tweets. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and they kind of expect us, if we're not on camera, to be on the social media, which I – which do you do very well. You do, you do that very I do well. I, 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 can't, I can't really do that so much. You know, it's like, you know, oh, you guys are welcome, great. guys. Everyone should check the show out. It's a lot of fun, and and I really appreciate your being here. We'll do this again, and I'm ready to come out to – is it New Jersey again? Is that where you're going to be shooting? Well, I hope we're back in Texas soon. We had had to move out of Texas because of COVID. Uh, We we couldn't get insurance in Texas. That's changing now. But I think everything is changing now, so we'll soon be Come to Cleveland. We have a place in Cleveland we're shooting movies. You're shooting in Cleveland? Yes, yes. I I actually started my career – in Cleveland, no in way. my sta- my performance career, okay. I, uh, the very well, first we'll talk about that. The next very time. first show I ever did. So I didn't know that. Yeah. So thank you for being part of this too. Aww, you just happen to be you. in the neighborhood. What a coincidence. <laughs> anyway, thanks by. so much. All right. Uh, thank you, Charlie. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> All right. Take care. Bye. That's it for this week. Remember to follow the Freak Show for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever else you get your podcasts from. And be sure to watch our video version of the show on Full Moon Features and Full Moon's Amazon Prime channel. See you dudes next time.